0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 146. In order to get the most out of your next or maybe first Royal Caribbean cruise, there are many pieces to a very fun puzzle that you need to put together. And while we can spend hours upon hours researching our cruise prior to the cruise, there are still some common mistakes that guests should avoid. So this week, we're going to discuss our top 10 mistakes made by Royal Caribbean guests, whether you're brand new to Royal Caribbean, or have pinnacle status in Crown and Anchor Society, these are some of the best practices to help you have a wonderful and memorable vacation. Here we go. There's nothing like your first time, your first love, your first car, maybe even more memorable, your first bowl of guacamole from Sabor, modern Mexican, and of course you never forget your first Royal Caribbean cruise. It can be an experience that you just, it sits with you all the time, and you know, taking a royal caribbean cruise, whether it's your first cruise or maybe you've been doing it many 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 times before, you know, at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're not making mistakes and you want to have a great experience. We all do. We all want to make sure our cruises go off without a hitch. And so this week, we're going to be sharing with you our top 10 mistakes to avoid, whether it's something that's maybe common with a first timer or something that maybe more an advanced cruiser might neglect regardless. We want to make sure that your next Royal Caribbean cruise, again, whether it's your first or your twentieth, <laughs> is it can be a great one. And you know, when, when I'm going to talk about making bad decisions, there is no friend I think of faster than Billy Hirsch, better known as Monorail Medic on Twitter and Periscope, and he is kind enough to join me right here on the podcast. Billy, welcome, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me. C- kind enough, I. I thought I thought I lost a bet of some sort, but uh, but glad to be here and talking about the bad decisions I've made in uh, in taking cruises and in other places, befriending Matt Hotchberg, you know things like that.
0: <laughs> well, you know you learn from the stand on the shoulders of giants or something like that, and 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 yeah, I think you're right, Billy. Honestly, I know you're making fun of me there, but and nonetheless, it's important to share a lot of experiences that we have done and learn from our experiences and share with others because, after all. Uh, these are important tips to be aware of for every visit, not just, you know, if you're a first-time cruiser. I know that I titled this uh, first-time cruiser, you know, mistakes, but, you know, of course, there's link bait. Can't ignore that. Nonetheless, I think it's really important that really this is important lessons for everyone that are worth sharing. So, you know, just because you're not a first-time cruiser, I hope you're not fast-forwarding through this uh, first part of the episode because I do think there are some really important lessons for everybody.
1: Oh, I bet, I bet we're going to touch on mistakes that I made even in February, on the, uh, on the last group cruise.
0: Absolutely. And, and Billy, you've taken – actually, what's kind of interesting is Billy only taken one Royal Caribbean cruise to date, but Billy has an extensive experience. You, you cruise a number of different cruise lines. You've been on Disney, Oceania, Celebrity. Have I missed any?
1: Canard, Commodore, Crown, Carnival, um, Norwegian.
0: Grand Fiesta Tour.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, pirates.
0: <laughs> pirates. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's kick things off. You know what? You're you're a first time guest here on the Royal crewman Blog Podcast. Billy, please start us off with your uh, first mistake not to do again.
1: All right. So I'm going to say, uh, and and as uh, we often joke, I, I'm I'm pretty cheap. But I'm going to say the first mistake is if you're if you're sailing out of a destination uh, that is not local to you booking the cheapest hotel. Because even if you're even if you're flying in the night before just because that that's a security blanket, that I'm sorry if I'm stealing one of your uh, your 10 here, but you know, always fly in the day before, always 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 always. But even if you're flying in just the night before and you just need a place to crash, don't just look for the cheapest. And here's why. It's easy to we live in a world where we sort by price, right? You look for a flight somewhere, you sort by price. You look for a hotel room, you say, "Give me something four stars and up." Sort by price. Everything sort by price, and and that's that's fine. I, I'm I'm guilty of that. I do that, but when you pick that pre-cruise stay before you, before you're even boarding and, and hitting the wind uh, I believe I believe. Sorry, I don't speak French. Um, <laughs> before that, there there are decisions to make and. If you pick the cheapest hotel, what you might not be considering is the cost of getting to the hotel, the cost of eating that night before. Uh, well, then again, I, I know your routine. Don't eat three days before a cruise because you're paying for all that food, you know, once you board. And uh, the cost of getting to the ship. Um, a lot of different hotels, in, in, uh, and this is especially true in cities that uh, that cater to the cruise industry in South Florida, um, uh, around Port Canaveral, in, in a lot of other destinations, Vancouver, Seattle, uh, they, they apply here as well. But they'll arrange transportation uh, to and from the port. If, you, if you're if you driving in the night before, you, you're not paying 17, uh, $15, $17 a night to park at the, the port or even an off-site place at $10 bucks or whatever the case may be. So don't pick the cheapest hotel. Look at that as – absolutely, look at that as the beginning of your vacation. Because maybe you're staying there for a couple days. Enjoy it. There's some great cities that ships leave, leave out of, whether it's for the beach or, or or for the med. Enjoy it. Yeah, save money because you're going to lose a lot in the casino on your cruise. Um, but look at those things. Do, you know, is there a restaurant? Uh, sometimes, you know, they even give you vouchers for for spending on dinner, you know, when you stay for a night. Do they provide transportation from the airport? If I'm driving, can I leave my car there? Can I get to the port? Just all, all things, and I'm sure there are others that I'm not considering. People that have kids probably have some considerations there as well uh, about picking your hotel. Absolutely. And the example I always give is in
0: old San Juan. We had a cruise of the Seas leaving out of San Juan, and we flew in the night before. And to your point, Billy, there are many cheap or cheaper hotels we could have chosen, but we chose to stay at the – Sheridan in Old San Juan, for that exact reason, do we pay more than some other options? Absolutely. we paid a little bit of a premium to be in old San Juan, but we knew we wanted to explore the city, have easy access to everything around us, and that 's exactly why we chose that hotel so very good tip right there, especially when you 're doing you know building on really the the main tip of you know coming in a day early, but I think it 's a really overlooked aspect is don 't just pick the cheapest option you got just as a, you know as a bedroom and, and a place to shower. It really is more than that, especially when you're starting your vacation. You want to start it off right.
1: Yeah, and and you know what? You actually touched on something that I kind of didn't really uh, very much at least, which is do you want to explore that city you're in, even if it's just for a night? I go on a lot of business trips, and you think, well, you're on business. You don't have much time to explore, and that's usually true. But, man, if I'm staying at a hotel that's in the heart of a city, if I only have a couple hours, I get to enjoy that city. So that's another factor. Is it can mean the difference between you saying, "Oh yeah, I've uh, I've I've been to Vancouver," or are you saying, "I slept in Vancouver once."
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk. Well, we're talking about money. Let's let's keep it rolling here. And I've got one. How about when you're talking about a cruise and you're looking at the total picture? Look at your budget for the entire vacation. Planning a budget, I think, is really an under uh, looked at aspect of the of. When people do with the cruise, because you know you've got to prepare a budget ahead of time, not just for the cruise itself, like you know how much your your stateroom is going to cost you, but consider all aspects: pre-cruise travel, onboard spending, shore excursions. You know all those. It's not the, some are little, but some are bigger. But all those costs that kind of come together, and you you really you know don't want to be spending day four through seven of your cruise just eating at the buffet because you can't afford to go bring your kids anywhere else to go do anything. You know it, it's important. To be able to enjoy the, the experience and not come home to a monster bill that you didn't see coming. So certainly making sure that you're aware that you know, you're going to be doing short excursions and they're going to cost you something to do that. Just having a good budget ahead of time so you can plan ahead. Because one of the things we always tell people is you know, one of the advantages of booking really far in advance a cruise is you get the opportunity to spread that cost out. So book that hotel seven months ahead of time. Book the airfare nine months ahead of time. Book your drink package if you elect to go that way six months ahead of time. That way, they're all hitting different credit card statements, and they're a little hits rather than you coming home to this monster hit where it's like, oh gosh, um, we really didn't need any cars in our family, right? We could totally walk anywhere from middle of nowhere Montana to you know, to, to work. I know. By the way, this podcast is huge in Montana, so that's why I bring that up. Oh, oh very Montana. big, yeah, I'm sure. Butte in the house. Um, so, um, you know, something. I think budget is really something very important to consider when you're when you're looking at a cruise again, whether it's your first or your your tenth. It's it's still an important factor.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't mean to to kick back to the uh, the first one that I mentioned, but I'd like to say that it relates in that looking, look at that whole picture uh, so that you can you include all the costs and see which which don't matter. As much, um, Look at your onboard credit. See how that factors in so that you're budgeting not just too little but not too much either. You, you want to have, have good expectations here. And admittedly, this is something that's become more difficult over the years uh, because with the exception of the drink packages, which s- work great for some and, and not for others, and that's okay, uh, there's a lot more to consider. I, I remember we, we, we went on a cruise. We knew we were going to pay some gratuities, and you, you knew basically what that was going to be. And that was your only expense, because there weren't nine different specialty restaurants. There weren't, <laughs> uh, there, there weren't the the specialty entertainment. There, there, that whatever you paid for the cruise, that was it. And there's so much more to it now. Never mind your shore excursions and your pre and pr, post trip arrangements. So yeah, it's it's a good point. Look at that whole thing. Uh, figure it as a vacation expense rather than a cruise expense, or you'll you'll get yourself into trouble pretty quickly.
0: Absolutely. Actually, I'm going to, sorry, I'm not going to skip the alternating here. You still me right into, you set me up perfectly, Billy, for my next one, and I wanted to make sure this is important. And that is, and this is something I'm guilty of every single cruise. Every single cruise I say I'm not going to do it, and I still do it all for every single time. And that is, you have to remember, you can't do it all, especially on the Oasis and Quantum Class ships that are out there. I, I am guilty of this every single time. I want to do it all. I, wanna, I want my, my kids to be able to see it all. I want to take my wife to all the amazing entertainment... The reality is, you can't. It's just not possible. And so, I guess the first step is admitting you (laughs) admitting you have a problem, right? (laughs) Saying I will not (laughs) be able to do it all. I just can't. It's not possible. I can eat a zoomie every single night, but I cannot do every single.
1: Well, that's because you can have three dinners every night, (laughs) so that really opens up the options.
0: Obviously, (laughs) so you know, by trying to do it all, you're just going to wear yourself out. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry. So. Really, what it's about is enjoying what you can, and whatever you miss, it's okay. You'll do it on another cruise. They're not; these ships aren't going anywhere, right? Well, not not figuratively; they're not literally.
1: They, they they they're supposed to go places all the time. Man. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. They're not everywhere at the same time, but um, you can go back and go try out these experiences. So, if you don't get a chance to do the Prohibition Party on one cruise, or you miss out on the Love and Marriage Game Show on another, it's okay. There'll be more, and you get to check them out there. So, and, and honestly, that's what gives you something to look forward to, right? I mean, Billy, you and I were both on alert this season. I know we miss a ton of events that we couldn't see because there's so much going on. So now we have stuff to look forward to.
1: We miss pages of stuff, and and he, this is the type of thing. There's some there's some things we're going to go over on this list that are um, we're trying to keep you from having regrets or going, oh man, I wish I would have done it differently, right? This is actually kind of different because this is about not stressing. Before the cruise, or at the very beginning of the cruise, so so these are things that you're going to. Uh, it's not that you're going to regret at the end, but you're going to think about them maybe at the beginning of your cruise, before your cruise. Each night when you get your cruise compass and you're looking over the list of all the things you can do, the good news is you're not going to regret this at the end of the cruise. I've been on I, I, my mother, and I believe her. Uh, she says I've been on well over sixty cruises. I can't remember ever getting to the end of a cruise thinking, oh, "I really wish I did more on this cruise." No, <laughs> you're going to have a fantastic time no matter what. I have a great time if I don't do anything. I I have I listen, I'm very privileged. I've been on cruises where I didn't do anything except take naps. And 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 they were delicious naps. They really were. Um <laughs> and that's okay. And then on on our group cruise, we did all sorts of stuff, but we missed pages, and it's okay. There's no regret there, so don't stress about it beforehand. Plan out what you the things that you know are. You go well, golly, come hell or high water, I'm doing that. But do, but don't stress over missing stuff. There's always going to be that next cruise. There will be because if you haven't done one yet, you've done one yet, I promise it's it's addictive. There will be another, and you'll have those opportunities.
0: Absolutely. What's uh, another mistake you have on your list there,
1: Billy? So shore excursions. Uh, people talk about shore excursions a lot and whether you should book them uh, through the the cruise line or not. not a lot of people, I, I'm a very risk-averse person. A lot of people say, yeah, you got to book through the cruise line. You don't want to miss the ship. What if something goes wrong? And, and those are good points. Those are really important considerations to have. But I think it's a mistake to not at least consider booking outside of the cruise line. Sometimes the cruise line has even occasionally it's rare, but happens, better prices than you can get uh, outside, you know, than booking independently. And, and great when that happens, you know, if, if it's the trip you want and the price is right, do it. Uh, a lot of the time, though, you can get a better deal not booking through the cruise line, whether it's Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, Asmara, or, or any cruise line, it's it's common in the industry. The main reason that people Think they should book through the cruise line is well. If I if the tour, what if uh, the tour runs late? The bus gets a flat tire. Things happen. You're right. However, what you'll what you'll know is a lot of these businesses they're aware people are, are scared of that type of thing, and they will move heaven and earth to get you back to that ship uh, in time. And the thing to look out for is the larger companies will offer guarantees that if anything happens. They will fly you to the next port. They'll take care of all the arrangements. They'll pay for everything. And believe me, they don't want to do that. So don't think, uh, well, yeah, but I don't want to miss a night of the cruise. Trust me, that means, that means they're going to work really hard at getting you back on that ship. So it's something to consider. Don't only look at the shore excursions that the cruise line offers. You might miss out on some great deals or just some great opportunities where the cruise line just doesn't have those particular tours.
0: That's a great point. I mean, I don't think you can... Categorically say you should only do the cruise line sponsored excursions, or categorically say you should not do them. But it is important to consider both, no matter where you're going, no matter what. You really, it, it's only in your best interest to give you to look at both options and consider each and see which ones uh, appeal to you. So I, I agree 100%, Billy, on that one. That's uh, that's that's pretty important, right there. Um, you know, another thing that came to my mind when we're talking about uh, you know mistakes, and I hear this a lot from people. Again, this goes back to the budget thing, but you know, I think the specialty restaurants that Royal Caribbean offers are truly amazing. I'm really impressed by them uh, across the board, and so I'm going to say skipping the specialty restaurants. And I get it; they cost they cost money. They they have additional cost to them, and and obviously we're all trying to you know pinch our pennies where we can, spend them where they're needed. But I'll tell you, specialty restaurants on Royal Caribbean cruises, especially these days, are as much a part of the experience as shore excursions are. I mean, Royal Caribbean has built their ships to offer so many great restaurants, whether it's, you know, uh, Sabor, whether it's Izumi, whether it's Chop's Grill, Johnny Rockets, Giovanni's Table. I mean, there's so many great options, and you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to go, and my my good friend uh, Brian Achill, who eats at literally one every day, you don't have to go quite that to that length. Love you, Brian. But at the same time, you should mix in at least a couple. Try one or two at the very least because you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not trying them. And if you're worried about cost, try them for lunch. They're cheaper for lunch than they are for for dinner quite often. And it's really a great opportunity not only to try some great food, but also break out of the mold of other, the cuisines that are offered on Royal Caribbean Chips. As an example, you know, you're only going to find really sushi at places like Azumi. You're only going to find a lot of variety of Mexican food at a place like Sabor. You know, you're only going to find amazing steaks like at So. This is really an opportunity, you know. Use it as a night out. Use it as a as a on your sea days. Find an excuse, but don't skip them entirely. Because I think you're really missing out on, especially restaurant experience, if you don't do any.
1: So, t- totally agree. Uh, again, there are so many more options than there used to be on cruises for dining. C- cruising has long been about the dining. I mean, that's why I don't eat three days before. Again. Another great tip. Uh, but in addition to the specialty restaurants, don't forget also there are a lot of included venues that, that people forget about, that people skip. On our, on our group cruise in February, we are on the Allure. And, yeah, that's an extreme example because the Oasis-class ships just have so many options uh, in, in everything, not just dining. But there were a lot of included venues that I bet a lot of people didn't hit and they missed out on some great dishes or just different views, different experiences. From uh, the uh, the was it the the wipeout uh, was that what it was called the the uh, the buffet up uh, upon a higher deck yeah, nice. yep yeah wipeout cafe they had some options that simply weren't at the windjammer for example uh, in, during breakfast hours uh, an omelet station right. Mm-hmm. Right. or an egg station, whatever they want to call it. Um, lighter options over at the Solarium. Uh, Solarium Bistro, I believe, is what they call it uh, during the day. Um, so it's not just about if, if you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I, I've already allotted. I, I did what, what Billy and Matt talked about. I budgeted out my cruise beforehand, and I've already hit my specialty restaurants. I already booked those. There are a lot of other included venues, even sandwiches from coffee shops. Depending on what class of ship you're talking about, there are so many good options that are included. And don't forget about them because you could be missing out on some great things. Also, I'm going to
0: build on that because you led me right into something else. I'm going to take what you said, which is 100% right, and expand upon it. Not just about food, but there are also other forms of entertainment that people think cost extra. They assume, so don't assume... About anything, like you said, Billy. Don't assume that certain restaurants aren't included. Sorrentos pizza, Royal Cafe Promenade included. But also, don't forget things like you know the Broadway shows, ice skating, the dinner photos. I know the photos actually they actually cost money, but to take the photos, totally free, right? And you have nothing to lose just by taking them. Maybe a great one comes out. Maybe it doesn't. Who cares? It's, but there's no additional cost to do that. Uh, there's a lot of things that are included with your Royal Caribbean cruise, so don't assume that everything costs extra, or that a particular form of entertainment costs extra, investigate it. Check it out before you say, okay, I'm not going to do it because it does cost extra or I can't afford it. That's a different story. But understand that there is a lot that is included in your cruise, and so don't don't fall prey to just following the same pattern you did on embarkation day, right? And I think that's kind of what you were talking about.
1: Yeah, it's a good call. And, and I'll call out the, the photos example because we, we said there are things – that I'm sure that you and I violate on this list from time to time. And the photos is a great one. Uh, listen, I've done a lot of cruises. When that shipboard photographer comes around, I have very little interest in that shipboard photographer. <laughs> 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 and, and, and admittedly sometimes consider it kind of an annoyance. But I kind of wish I wasn't as much that way. And, and here's the reason. I'm a, I wouldn't even say amateur photographer, because I'm not good enough to say that. I own cameras. And I like to take pictures. <laughs> I <laughs> and, push the
0: button on top of the camera. And it happens to take yes, photos from time to time.
1: Sometimes I push several buttons. Uh, and and I, I take a lot of pictures. And it's amazing. I'll take hundreds of pictures just to get one. Just to get one that comes out just the way I wanted to. Well, you don't know if that one was taken with somebody else's camera. And as much as I don't want to pay 25 bucks for a picture, golly, if it's the perfect picture that, that gives me a great memory of my friends, my family on a vacation, well, Absolutely. So don't don't skip out on on that, and that's even one that you know. It, I guess well, it doesn't cost money to try, and and you mentioned it perfectly. You mentioned the Broadway shows. I was real apprehensive about Mamma Mia because uh, it, I don't dislike ABBA, but I thought, I, can I really sit through that much ABBA? There's there's a threshold for all things, even if they're good, <laughs> and and I watched Mamma Mia, and. I uh, wish Larissa were in the room. She she would uh, she would gladly say, "I told you so." <laughs> Loved the show. Loved the show. And I, I'm I'm a fan of musicals in general, but really enjoyed Mamma Mia. And if I if you said, "Well, to to see that quality experience and have that level of enjoyment," uh, would you have bought tickets that were that were forty dollars a person? It's, oh, sure, forty dollars a person, not a problem. I go to shows all the time. That that seems fair. And man, they that was a that was a show in particular that to me exceeded a, a lot of the the Broadway across America performances and stuff like that free don't forget what's free there's so many good options don't be distracted by by people that say oh, on cruises they nickel and dime you to death now nah, there's a lot of great free food entertainment and and just scenery
0: absolutely you know and uh, you said it very well and i'm going to say i'm going to i think i got something else billy that you're going to totally agree with and that is It's a mistake not to use a travel agent. And I know this is a hot topic among veteran cruisers, uh, but I'm going to tell you this, whether you're brand new to cruising or you're you're Billy's parents, the bottom line is using a travel agent is only in your best interest. Now, I'm going to freely admit not all travel agents are the same. And I think a good travel agent will tell you the same thing, but they're not all the same. But a good travel agent will make your life so much easier. It's the reason why when I book any cruise, any cruise, I always book with a travel agent because they're the ones who are going to help you navigate the entire process from when you want to book something and you want to price out eight different things all the way through and including your during your cruise. Things happen. Problems happen. You, uh, you know, I'll give you the classic example. Here's an example. This happened to me. It's happened to anybody. Group cruise. The lure of the seas. We've talked about this quite a number of times, Billy. Um, this is, of course, the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. I should probably
1: have said that earlier. But and this is when you didn't bring any underwear, and MEI gave you a pair. <laughs> it
0: may as well have been. Actually, what happened was, believe it or not, my cruise was accidentally canceled. It happened one day about three months before the cruise. I got an email from Roku, an automated email, that one of my shore excursions was canceled. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And I said, "Ah, eh, the system must be wrong. So I, I sent a quick message to my travel agent. I said, hey, I got this email. Do you know what this is about? They checked. Lo and behold... For whatever reason, don't ask me why, the system had accidentally canceled my cruise. But do you know what? I didn't care. I mean, I cared, but I didn't care because guess who sat on hold with Royal Caribbean? Guess who fought with Royal Caribbean? Guess who got me an extra, I forgot how much, onboard credit for my troubles? My travel agent. I did not do a thing. I probably was playing video games during the time. And they did all that work for me. That's when a travel agent earns every single cent of their commission. That Royal Caribbean pays them, by the way. You don't pay them, you should not be paying them a dime for their services. And, you know, whether it's something awful like that, whether it's just a what ship should I go on? Is it better to go on Independence of the Seas this week, or should I go on Freedom of the Seas? Is it better to go, say, in the junior suite, or should I just go for the Ocean View that's a little bit cheaper? What's the better play here? A travel agent is your advocate, your, your friend. And your partner in this whole process, and Billy, I know you're you kind of you're a big fan of using travel agents as well because I think they just add value and make your life a whole lot easier. So I think it's a mistake not to use a travel
1: agent. I completely agree. The the I, man, I have a lot to say on this. I feel like we could do a whole episode on this one. Um, <laughs> The biggest reason that I hear people say that they don't want to use a travel agent is because they are really into the experience. They're into cruising or, or even if it's non-cruise travel, but we're here we're talking about cruising and, and they are into it. They want to have control. They, they want to have oversight of it. You don't lose that. You don't lose that at all. In fact, you have more control. Oh. <laughs> because because you have the ability to look into things just like you did before, to take action just like you did before and for the things that are a pain to take action on that might mean you're on hold with with Royal Caribbean or anyone else for a while, now you're not the one on hold or you're not the one that, that's battling something out. They'll take care of that for you. So that's the biggest reason that I've heard not to and and I don't get it. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not reality. I shouldn't say I don't get it. It's just not reality, Right. Other great reasons: travel agents. A good travel agent, it g- goes through. Uh, I'll use a nerd term here. It's uh, uh, heuristic learning. Like it's a, a good travel agent will will learn about you and your 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 preferences, um, the your your payment options, all sorts of things. They'll learn all about you. So when I book a cruise now, it might only involve a sentence or two in an email. Because my travel agent already knows all right, but billy he, he likes verandas, but if the veranda costs you know twenty thirty percent more than an ocean view or more than an inside, he doesn't care he get get him the cheapest thing he needs to spend a lot of money at the bar, for example, you know, hypothetically um and <laughs> So so my travel agent knows these things. I don't even have to communicate them anymore. My travel agent knows that unless I'm having dinner with friends, unless I'm going on a cruise with other people, I'm gonna want to eat late. That's what I do. That that's just that's habit. All of these things. He knows that if it's a South Florida trip, I'm gonna drive to the port. So I don't need to worry about hotel. But if somewhere else, he should probably start looking into that. And, and and Brock from MEI uh, Travel, if you're listening, thank you for being so patient with me. So a good travel agent, for all those reasons, too, is important, the convenience of, of them knowing what you already know and and they're going to a good one will pick up on it easily uh, and the key is a good travel agent and that's why you're doing it. you're not doing it because you're not capable of booking your own travel we're all capable of that my my grandparents are are in their mid 80s they've got computers and smartphones they can do that it's not about what you're capable of it's making your life easy and having an advocate if something does go wrong and even if if something just goes really right some like a discount somebody that's there watching so that you don't have to. Absolutely. Well said, Billy.
0: So that leads me to another one, Billy, which is, I think for, especially for first time cruisers or anyone who hasn't been on maybe just one to, I'll say three cruises, but don't book anything less than, I'm going to say five nights. And even then I'm cringing a little bit. I want to say seven nights. I know a lot of time first cruisers say, ah, you know, I've never gone on a cruise before. I'm a little leery about it. I'm going to book a three night cruise or I'm going to book a four night cruise. I know it's tempting, I know it seems like the right thing to do. After all, you don't know what the experience is like. I should pick the least commitment involved. But I'm telling you right now, and there's a lot of people who are veteran cruisers who are nodding their heads at their iPhones and iPods and computers and Zooms and all other crazy devices that they may have,
1: which is dumb. It's, it's, all it's, the people listening to this on their Zooms, yes, Matt. <laughs> Montana and people with antiquated Microsoft <laughs> technology. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> but – it's don't book the, the shorter cruises. I know it seems like the obvious thing, but really the longer cruises are a better bet for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a better financial value. The per night cruise often for a seven night cruise is actually cheaper than a three or four night cruise. Number two is, and more importantly, the three and four night cruises, even somewhat the five night cruises, they go so quickly. You really don't get a chance to experience it. And oftentimes the number one thing someone goes on a three or four night cruise says is, I wish it were longer. I didn't get a chance to do nearly do it all. I didn't get a chance to see it all. I, mean, I barely knew the ship. And those those three and four night cruises those are for those are for veterans who are looking for weekend getaways and just quickies, you know, just to get it out of the way yep. and just have a have a nice little you know little quick trip on a, on a long weekend. But for first timers, I'm telling you right now, don't book the short cruises. Go for a seven night. Seven night is the perfect balance. I I, I think you're gonna have a great time. I don't think it's it's out of the realms of possibilities. You're gonna have a wonderful time. In fact, and I know it seems contradictory, but really, book a longer cruise for your first cruise. That way, you really get a chance to see what a cruise is like.
1: You're absolutely right, and as far as the value proposition, you talked about the per night cost. And while you're completely right, I mean, it's if we're looking at something uh, in the next couple of months, we're recording this in the uh, coming up in the summer right now. Um, you're looking at, at sailings that are, are maybe twenty to to sixty percent more per night because. It's it's uh, it's summer and it's the same thing when you look at those shorter cruises, they can be 20 to 60 percent more money than a longer cruise on a per night basis Uh, to the point that it's uh, there are times that a five or even a seven night can be cheaper than a three or four night as the overall cost. And what makes that even more extreme is if you're not local, if you're needing to fly in or even if you're just driving in and paying some tolls and staying in a, in a hotel, again, not the cheapest hotel, but the right hotel before your cruise, uh, that's, that's going to make the per night cost skyrocket. So now you just took a flight from, uh, from Baltimore, let's say, to, down to South Florida for a three-night cruise? Now, you're going to regret that in the end. I, I, I promise. I promise you are. And, and I think, Matt, um, it's not just about the, the time. Well, that's important, how the, the length of the cruise. There are a lot of factors, if we're talking about your first cruise, that are important, you know, as far as choosing the right cruise for you. And you know who, who can help you with that? Any, do you have any guests, Matt Hochberg, who can help you make sure that you're getting the right cruise for you and your preferences? Is it perhaps Joe Boo from the Major League movie series? I don't know what he's doing now, but if he's a good travel agent now, then yes. (laughs) Then yes, you're correct. (laughs) Because the answer is a travel agent. Um, So even if it's your very first cruise, talk with the travel agent. And, And you should, by the way, you should... Essentially, interview a travel agent to find a good one. And then once you've settled on that one, have that conversation. Make sure they get to know you from that very first trip so they can help find the right cruise for you. That means the right length. That's absolutely an important factor. That means the right cruise line, which, you know, of, of course, I'm um, on uh, podcast, so that means Royal Caribbean or uh, or one of their lines, <laughs> Celebrity, Azamara. Uh, but but no, really, it means the right cruise line. It means the right ship. It means the right itinerary. It means the t- right time of year. I've never taken a cruise that I wish I didn't take. I've taken a lot of cruises. I've taken a lot of them that weren't my favorite, and I I, I like to point out to people. According to, I'm going to nerd out for a second, because before, I, I think we can both agree, before I was playing it cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to nerd out for a second and and say that according to CLIA, the Cruise Line Industry Association, 90% of people that take one cruise take another. It, heroin doesn't have that repeat rate. Nothing, nothing has a 90% repeat rate. Well, breathing, I guess. Um, so that's pretty impressive, right? And I will say that out of all the cruises I've taken, while I enjoyed every one of them, I do, I can think of a couple of them that if they were my first cruise, I don't know if I would have been as willing to take another cruise. So it's important that you understand that, that cruising is, is not a a singular thing and you want to find the right cruise. Can you imagine how, how silly it would be if you talked to someone, they stayed at a hotel and they stayed at a lousy hotel. It was, the the service wasn't very good. It's, it, it smelled funny television uh only got c-span and and they said you know what i don't think hotels are for me it's not really my thing hotels <laughs> like that that would be ridiculous you would you would not want to talk to that person anymore because they're clearly crazy um but P- i hear people say it about cruising and it's because they took the wrong cruise for them and they think cruising is all one thing and it's very different so choosing a cruise of the right duration l- imagine if your first experience cruising. Whether you've been on a million cruises or, or or you haven't been on a cruise yet, picture a cruise three nights on uh, a smaller ship out of South Florida, and it's during spring break. It's over a weekend during spring break. Think about who's going to be on. It's going to be probably a lot of uh, a lot of college kids partying. Nothing wrong with that. It's a it's a fine time if that's what you're looking for. And you're gonna if it's only three nights, you're gonna go to the Bahamas probably going to go to NASA and Coco Cay. Can't really get much farther than that uh, on a three-night cruise. And it might be a little uh, kind of a party atmosphere, a little loud sometimes. And again, that's okay if that's what you're looking for. Now picture same exact cruise line, but a seven-night maybe in the Baltic or a Southern Caribbean. That's going to be a very different experience and if you were looking for the first one, you got the second one, you might not be happy and the other way around. So talk to that travel agent. Make sure you're booking the right cruise for you, which, as Matt said, for your first cruise, make it long enough. You're not going to regret it.
0: Well said, Billy. Awesome. Well, I don't know how many tips that was, but more than I think I advertised in the title of this podcast episode. But nonetheless, the thing was actually some really helpful information here. And uh, Billy, before we let you go, though, since this is your first time on the podcast here, I want to let our audience get to know you a little bit better. Uh, because, of course, Mr. Suave, that they already knew you for uh, prior to your nerding out. Um, I'm yes. I wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit based on your cruising experience. So I'm going to give you a couple of quick-hit questions. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. All right. Uh, favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? I know you've only been on one, but you, I brought you to a number.
1: It, so which, it, it, Well, it, it was a ship with a lot of restaurants. Uh, I just, You know what? You're... Uh, Make sure, or we're definitely recording, right? Because I'm, yes. I'm going to say, Matt Hochberg, you're right. Sabor. Yes. Sabor. That was fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise?
1: Hmm. Whichever the first one is. I, I have some strong drink preferences. A lot of people know I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of scotch. Some very specific scotches. But really whichever that first drink was, my very first drink on a Royal Caribbean cruise was a lava flow, right? I think we got a picture of that. So you know what on in February it was a lava flow and we're, we're going to find out on the September group cruise. uh, what the new answer is.
0: Nice. Favorite port of call to visit.
1: Ooh, we talking Caribbean or anywhere, anywhere. Okay. Anywhere a ship goes. Bergen, Bergen, Norway. It's a beautiful country, fantastically friendly people. Um, Everything about if, if you ever have the opportunity to cruise to Norway, it's, it's really it's a whole different experience, and uh, and Bergen was a neat city. It's a nice sized city. It's uh, it's not tiny. Has everything you want in a city. Um, it's just oh, man that yeah, that's a great experience. Bergen, Norway.
0: And favorite song on the radio? I would say iPod, but I know you have an Android phone. So your favorite Moto X, whatever you people have.
1: Uh, I, I have a Nexus 6P right now. Um, you know what? I, I'm not good at picking favorite songs, so I'm going to say favorite artist. Is that okay? Am I, am I uh, violating the rules? And I'm gonna say, I'm going to say postmodern jukebox. It's uh, I only know pop music because of either postmodern jukebox, Weird Al, or because I knocked my headphones off of my head while I was at the gym. And postmodern, all about postmodern right now.
0: Billy, always a pleasure to have you on here, even if it's your first time, and uh, some good information, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like we can probably get some good feedback and maybe do an informal uh, phase two on Periscope or something like that. It was, it was good. Now, I should write these down so I don't make these mistakes in September.
0: There you go. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. I've got some really exciting news to share. In fact, it is the news, something that many of you have been asking me for for a really long time. It is the details on our very next Royal Caribbean blog, Group Cruise. Now, we've got two scheduled so far. One in September on Freedom of the Seas. Another on February 2017 on Navigator of the Seas. And now we're adding another Group Cruise Saturday, September 16th, 2017, on the brand new, amazing Harmony of the Seas. This is an opportunity for all of us, all of you, my friends here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, to cruise together on what is Royal Caribbean's brand new, most amazing ship, world's biggest ship, on Harmony of the Seas. I can't wait. This is going to be an amazing adventure. We're going to be sailing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Port Everglades, visiting Labadee, naturally. Falmouth and Cozumel, but really this is about exploring harmony of the seas together. This is going to be an amazing experience and I'm taking this opportunity right here on this episode. Take a second and invite you to join me for it. That's right. I want every single person listening to this podcast to join me for this amazing cruise. This is what the group cruises are all about. It is Imagine going on a rollercan cruise with other people that love roller as much as we do and really just love talking about it, know all the nuances, love the inside jokes, love the experience and can share in it together. We have done so far two group cruises, with obviously two more to go, plus this one. There are so much fun. I love these experiences, and I cannot wait to explore Harmony of the Seas with all of you. So this is going be an amazing opportunity. Saturday, September 16th, 2017. I'm going to post a link in our show notes for more details about this group cruise. We've got some great rates through our partner at MEI Travel. And if you go to our link on our show notes and you fill out the form, they'll get you a great quote for this cruise. And by joining us in our group at MEI Travel, I'm telling you our partners there had do an amazing job, not only with getting you a great rate. and You heard all about and Billy and I talking about how great a travel agent is, earlier in this episode, but you're also supporting Royal Caribbean Blog, and that's why these group cruises are so important, because it, it's a very cyclical process, right? You're supporting Royal Caribbean Blog by booking through our sponsor. Our sponsor supports us, and then we're able to turn around and give you the kind of great podcast, blog posts, periscopes, message board experiences that you all love. It, it, it's it's a, it's a circle of internet life, as it were, and uh, these it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm telling you right now. Year, I want to put this one down in your calendar, September sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Harmony of the Seas. I can't wait, and I'm so excited that I can finally share the details with all of you. I've been looking forward to this for such a long time, and now we have another group cruise to join us for. So if you have any opportunity, this is the time right now. I'm telling you though, if you're thinking about it, if there's even an inkling of a chance, book now because you're going to want to lock in that price. Give yourself more time. If we were talking about other mistakes people make early in the episode, I'll tell you, it's not booking earlier. Even if you, you're you not 100% sure you're going to book a cruise, the great thing, especially for residents of the United States and Canada, is you can put a deposit down on a, on a Royal Caribbean cruise, any Royal Caribbean cruise, including our group cruises, put a deposit down, and then you have between then, when you make put your deposit and final payment, to A, decide if you're going to take the cruise, and B, see if the price changes. A lot of times, you know, there are price drops, price increases, but by booking earlier in advance, you get the opportunity to get the lowest possible price and the greatest possible inventory. You're only saying the benefit from doing this. So check out the details about our group cruise. All of our group cruises are, quite frankly, a lot of fun. They are an amazing experience, A lot, and it's something that I I look forward to more than even taking cruises by myself because the, everything is better with friends, and that's what these group cruises are all about, taking a cruise with friends. And I want you to join us there. I really do. Every single one of you, I really would love for you to join us for it. So check out the show notes over at royalcarribeanblog.com more details about that. Speaking of all of you, well, we got time to talk about what's on your mind. And this is the part of the episode where I read your world Caribbean emails. And we'll start an email from Susan Widdowson. He writes, Matt, you were answering an email talking about the variety of food on the ship. I did the all-access tour on the oasis of the seas and found out information on this when we toured the kitchens. A few weeks before the cruise, they studied the demographics of passengers, ages, nationalities, sexes, and do their planning with this information. I number of children, more hot dogs, chicken strips, and other kid-friendly foods. I had number of people from a certain region or country, more food options than they would like, more men, more steaks. Thank you, Susan. That's really interesting. It does not surprise me to hear that, but I quite frankly did not know that either, so very good information and totally makes sense, right? If they're going to have, like, the great example is the kids one, right? If you're going over spring break, you're going to have more kids. Well, then you're probably needing more hot dogs, chicken fingers, and burgers than maybe a transatlantic where you have where you tend to skew maybe to an older uh, demographic. So totally makes sense. Thank you very much, Susan. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Next, we have an email from Dirk who writes, I just listened to your latest episode and heard a question from Patrick from Wisconsin concerning the differences between cruises from the U.S. and overseas. Here is my experience from several cruises in Europe, over the Mediterranean and the Baltics, and also out of the United States. In terms of the language, the main language is English, no matter where the cruise is taking place. In Europe, the announcements will be made in additional languages, depending on the amount of passengers from different countries. On one cruise, the announcements were made in French, Spanish, German, and Italian. On another, it was just Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese. The cruise compass is also available in different languages, but as I said... It always depends on how many people from different countries are on board, but English is always the number one language, so nothing to worry about Patrick. In terms of food, the food is pretty much the same on every cruise, but in the Winjamer and the main dining room, they offer one specialty from the countries the ship is going to visit. For example, moussaka when we were in Greece, paella when we were in Spain, etc. But this was an additional offer, and nobody was forced to order it. Indian food was offered when large groups from that region were on board. But I have made the experience the one that simply could ask the head waiter for special food, even when it's not on the menu. I asked, for example, for some Indian food, and they made it for me. Once I knew the chef from Austria, and I asked for some Austrian dessert, I got some very tasty Kaiser I don't know how you call it in English. (laughs) This is an aspect I love about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise, that the service is outstanding. Simply ask, and they will do what they can. In terms of local regulations, in Europe, the drinking age is lower than the United States, and Royal Caribbean adapts local rules while they're in Europe, so you can get alcohol uh, when you're over 18 in most of the European countries and on board Royal Caribbean ships as well. All in all, the cruise experience is pretty much the same in the United States and Europe. If I were an American, I would not hesitate to book a European cruise. We're going on our next Tuesday in September. It'll be a 13-night at Southampton to the Western Caribbean on board the Navigator of the Seas, and it's going to be awesome. All the best from Germany, and keep on cruising. Dirk, great information. This is like perfect. I love these emails, honestly, because first of all, you're sharing an experience that I can't give anybody, so that's awesome. Dirk, thank you for sharing your personal experience, and you laid it out perfectly. Comparing, contrasting what it's like taking a cruise from the United States versus a cruise over in Europe in this case, and I think you really nailed the big parts about the cultural and language, I don't want to say barriers, but differences that exist, and I think certainly relating back to the original email from Patrick from Wisconsin, I think this is perfect information. Dirk, you the man. Thank you so much for uh, the email. Really, really like it. Next, we have an email from Terry Stadler who writes, hi, love your blog. Huge help. Great job. Quick question. Besides searching Facebook, is there any way to find if any Vietnam vets or current military have a meetup group for a Allure sailing? My dad is going on his first ever cruise. His time on the Mekong Delta in 1969 did not count. And at 68 years old, He's a little anxious. It's something these guys never really get a handle on after all these years, just wondering. Terry, first of all, please do me a favor and say thank you to your father for his service to this country. Uh, Veterans in in general do not get nearly enough recognition for what they do, and certainly in Vietnam, a whole different generation, so thank you so much for everything your father did there, and I can certainly understand exactly what your father is looking for in terms of being able to meet up with other like-minded folks, and my advice, if you can't find it on the internet, because that's probably the first place I would start before your cruise, look on Facebook. Look for also other uh, veteran websites that may have uh, a large community in which you might find other people that are cruising. But if all else fails, the other thing to do, and probably your best likelihood of success outside of, say, Facebook or other social media, is to go to guest services. You're going to find a little uh, board right out there. It's usually outside guest services, somewhere on the Royal Promenade or in that general vicinity obviously you're run a vision class ship it'll be a little different but nonetheless there's going to be a board of events these are events that any guest can go put on there usually you're going to find uh, different events for like say Alcoholics Anonymous will have an event on there but you can put on your own and you could put you know uh, a veterans meetup you know a veterans informal meetup uh, 3 o'clock at the scooter bar you know some random time and you might be have some chance or luck meeting up there of course people have to actually look for it but if you're lucky enough, maybe that'll that'll run. But that's another option to consider, Terry. And I hope that kind of works out for your father. Let, let me know what uh, when you end up uh, doing there. Next up, we have an email from... Who's our email from? Oh, it is from John Burns of Northeast Maryland. Inquiring minds want to know, and since you always have the scoop, what is the word on dynamic dining on the quantum class? Heard it was going away starting in 2017. What have you heard? John, great question. Here's the answer. The answer is it's not going anywhere on the Quantum Class. In fact, there was a really strong rumor not too long ago that it was going to be taken away from Anthem of the Seas. That's not the case at all. It seems that Royal Caribbean, and they confirmed this to me uh, directly, it is not going anywhere. They originally thought about there actually were plans to get it removed, but as of right now, there are no plans to remove it No, now anywhere, so... I wouldn't worry about that, and whether, I don't know, I'm not sure if you're a fan or not of Dynamic Dining, but if you're going on a Quantum Class ship, you know, Ovation of the Seas, Quantum of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, it seems like Dynamic Dining is here to stay for the foreseeable future, at least. Next up, we have an email from Dan Hale, who writes, hello, Matt. I've been a fan for quite a while and try to learn what I can when I cruise before I go on a cruise. I always go to your blog to learn what I can. What I'm looking for is information on Cozumel. I'm bringing my 82-year-old mother and some other family members. My mom is in good health, but may not be up to doing a lot of walking over long periods of time. I'm concerned about getting a taxi to go to the beach and then making sure I get back to the ship leaves before the taxi gets back there and obviously not missing the ship. What are your thoughts? Then you go, th- uh, your thoughts and your concerns are very similar to what a lot of people do. So let's start with the basics and then talk about your mother situation. So in terms of being able to take a taxi and getting back to the ship on time, In Cozumel, it's one of the easiest to do. There's just a ton of taxis. And if you're going anywhere remotely touristy, you're going to have no problem getting a taxi. In fact, many locals will be more than happy to call one for you. It's very easy to do. I would not worry about it. My suggestion, and this is true for all ports, is give yourself just plenty of time. So if you're all aboard is, let's say, 4.30 p.m., I always give myself at least two hours, if not three hours, before all aboard to get back on the ship. I mean, if you've got extra time and you feel up for it, you can walk around the port area And be more in control of your destiny, so to speak. But that's really the the bottom line. And in Cozumel, it's so easy. I mean, even from the furthest remote parts of the island, you know, you're you're not going to have too much problems. The only concern that I would have, really, is if you're going to the mainland. If you're going to go to Tulum or Playa del Carmen or really anywhere off the island... You've got the ferry, which kind of can – you're subject to, this, to the ferry schedule and conditions of the sea and all that other kind of things. So if you're really concerned about it and if you're doing things on your own, I generally recommend staying on the island of Cozumel. If you're going to do with the mainland, there's great things. You know, the mainland is amazing uh, in Playa del Carmen and Tulum and all that. I would just recommend in that case probably doing something with Royal Caribbean directly in terms of shore excursions because in that case – their short excursions do have a, pro- a promise of a guarantee of return that they will get you back to the ship. The ship will not leave without you. That being said, I do it all the time on my own in Cosmo. Just give yourself plenty of time, Dan. You'll have no problem. Now, the question of your mother and walking and doing a lot of walking. Then I think what you do is just go to the beach. I don't think you have any problem with that. Take a taxi. Get off the ship. Take a taxi. There'll be plenty of taxis over there. In fact, go to. Uh, it Depends on what you want. There's a number of great beaches. Paradise Beach is a really good one. This is a kind of a modular beach. Very little cost to get in there, but obviously everything you want to do costs extra. So drinks cost extra. Food costs extra. If your 80-year-old mother wants to go climb the the pyramid up in the ocean, that'll cost extra. I'm not sure she'll want to. You know, the palapas cost a little bit extra. There's a little... But to me, it's fair because you only pay for what you want. You can go to all-inclusive, like uh, Nachi Coco, which gives you everything included for one fixed price, including alcohol. So... Again, if your mom wants to get her drink on, there you go, there's your opportunity. Uh, those are two really good beach ideas. There's a lot of other there's a ton of other beaches, in fact. I mean you can go crazy trying to find them all. Um, but again, what I would do is take a taxi, go over there, enjoy your time, and just make sure your taxi comes and picks you up well before I most of these beaches, including Nachi and Playa Del and uh, sorry, uh, Paradise Beach. They, in fact, will have taxis literally just hanging out outside the area waiting for tourists to come back. They know it's an easy fare to come back, so they hang out for a little bit and they get an easy fare back. But you'll have literally no problem getting back. Cozumel is one of the easiest places, in fact, to get a taxi back. So just give yourself some time, Dan, and you'll have a great time there. Good email, though. It's it's, it's a fair concern a lot of people go through, especially when you're new to doing excursions on your own. Next, we have an email from Evan, who writes, my family and I love your blog, and I have a question about scheduling events on our seven-day cruise on the lower of the seas. I'm a first-time cruiser, keep hearing about a white party hosted on the ship. Is this something that happens on every cruise? And if not, how can I determine if it will be on my ship? Keep up the good work, and thanks again. Evan, great question. Will there be, in this case, the white party or any event? Here's the thing. We, you will not definitively know ahead of time. Royal Caribbean does not post its entertainment schedule for events like this nearly in advance, so you won't know. What you can do is certainly go look at old cruise compasses. So on Royal we post our cruise compasses that folks send in and it gives you a pretty good idea of what to expect. Even a compass that is a year old for an allure of the seas cruise probably is going to be, I'm going to say 85 to 90% of the exact same events, almost at the same exact time. Obviously, if you can time it right and I get a cruise compass in from somebody, you know, maybe a couple weeks before your cruise, that's even better. But it's usually pretty consistent. The, the things that change are obviously films, whatever movies are being shown You know, two months ago, are probably not going to be shown on your cruise, and a couple other minor entertainment events. But really, you're going to find a lot of the consistent entertainment across uh, no matter which ship you're on, or, or which itinerary you're on, rather. All that being said, what is the White Party? The White Party is this idea, and Royal Caribbean has kind of molded it lately into their own thing. They do kind of a glow party now. Same basic concept. Where you go to this party, this area of the ship, for a party, and the idea is that with a white party is that you wear all white, and then there's all these colors being shown everywhere through LED lights and lighting in general, and it reflects off of you, and instead of everyone looking like they're wearing white, you're wearing literally the colors of the party. And with a glow party, it's very similar. Instead of there being lighting, which I'm sure there is anyway, you're wearing those, you know, glow necklaces, glow rings, glow sunglasses, glow everything. And it's a really fun experience because it's something different. My advice to you for glow parties, by the way, is if if you do see it on a past cruise compass, is go to, like, your local dollar store and invest in a bunch of those because it'll be a lot cheaper than Royal Caribbean sells those little glow elements to it uh, as an option. So basically, Evan, my suggestion is in terms of whether or not there'll be a white party or a glow party is to go look at past cruise compasses to get an idea of what to expect. I'm not sure when your cruise is, Evan. But if you look at the cruise compass section at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, I think you're going to find a pretty good indication of some past allure of the seas cruise compass. Actually, run across allure more often than other ships, so it should pretty much give you a, an idea of what to expect, and you can plan accordingly. But that's about the best you can do, Evan, in terms of trying to figure out what whether or not a certain party will be on a on your particular sailing. So, it's the kind of thing we all go through. All right, Evan, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for these wonderful emails. If you want your email read, I would love, love, love to read them. All you have to do is very simply just send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at blog.com matt at blog.com I would love to read them. And in fact, it's the best part of my day. I love doing this because we get to talk Royal Caribbean virtually right here on the podcast. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg and we'll talk again soon.